settled in the silence of the woods near Westminster, where Jessica Ridgway's body was found. A 12-year-old girl was brutally kidnapped and murdered, bringing confusion and terror to local residents and the entire United States. Welcome back to our channel. Today we will learn about a very callous, cruel case with an unexpected motive. The perpetrator kidnapped, sexually assaulted, and killed 12-year-old Jessica Ridgeway. Gory details are exposed. From the image of the little girl at the time of her abduction to the dismembered body of Jessica being found. After many attempts, the killer was caught. Austin Sig, a cruel criminal, has admitted to kidnapping and murdering Jessica Ridgeway. Justice has been done, however, the bloody story of this innocent girl still lingers in the hearts of the people and evokes feelings of horror and obsession about crime and human brutality. The Jessica Ridgeway case is one of the scariest and most pressing cases in American criminal history, a thriller in which the unscrupulous villain plays the main role. I welcome you to Colorado. The fairly rectangular Centennial State is well known for its landscapes, animals, and extensive variety of outdoor activities. It may be found in the middle of North America. Incredible vistas and miles of hiking routes can be found in the Rocky Mountains, which can be found cutting over the western side of Colorado. Even if you'd rather be in the city, there's a lot for you to do in this area. Its capital, Denver, is one of the cities in contemporary America that is expanding at one of the most rapid rates, and there are plenty of good reasons for this. With a rapidly expanding economy and a laid-back way of life, many people in the United States are wanting to make this city their permanent residence. In fact, there was a time when I was seriously considering adding it to my personal list of potential new homes. Westminster is a relatively tiny city that can be found to the north of the major business center in Denver. Westminster is the eighth most populated city in Colorado, despite the fact that it is technically considered a municipality. The discovery of gold in the adjacent South Platte River Valley in 1858 attracted people from all over the country to the region. Since that time, Westminster has seen a number of transformations, and today it mostly supports the high-tech medical and energy sectors that can be found within the city's cold outskirts. We come across the Ridgeway family's home. At the time, Jessica Ridgeway was a little girl from the United States of America who was 10 years old and lived with her mother Sarah and Grandma Christine. Fortuitously, Jessica's mother and her daughter's father, Jeremiah, had divorced, and Jeremiah had subsequently relocated to the state of Missouri. At least for the time being, Jessica called Westminster her home. She shared a house on Moore Street with her mother and grandmother, where the three of them enjoyed a comfortable lifestyle thanks to the home's three bedrooms and two bathrooms. It wasn't very long at all to get to Jessica's elementary school, Wet, which was only a mile down the road. Everyone who knew Jessica, including her family, her friends, and her instructors, adored her. It was said that she was a joyful and kind child. 
She had a heart of compassion and was always laughing. In addition to that, she had a lot of life experience for her age. Sarah, Jessica's mother, has recollections of her daughter frequently behaving inappropriately for her age. Jessica, on the other hand, was a youngster who was easy to care for. It didn't seem to be a problem for Sarah to raise her kids, despite the fact that she was a single mother and worked long hours at a technology business in the area. The 5th of October, 2012, is getting closer all the time. Being Colorado Even though it was still relatively early in the season, Westminster already had a light dusting of snow on it and the city had already started to ice over in preparation for the winter season. Sarah had just arrived home after working the night shift, and despite the fact that her schedule was rather fluid, she was at home this morning. At the opposite end of the 24-hour cycle of the circadian rhythm, the alarm for Jessica went off at 7.45 in the morning. Given that it was a school day, it was reasonable to anticipate that she would show up. After completing her typical morning routine, which consisted of going downstairs, watching TV, eating a granola bar, and then returning to the upper floor to dress, she would then leave the house. After Jessica had returned to the basement, she and her mother prepared a snack for Jessica to take to school by peeling a couple of oranges and then filled her water bottle for the next school day. Sarah walked Jessica to the front door and reminded her not to be late for the first class of the day as they both left the building. It was 8.30, but she was fortunate since she didn't have far to travel. Jessica would typically travel the initial leg of her journey alone, although this would not last for an especially extended period of time. The home of her close friend Jeremy was located only one short street away and it was from there that she and Jeremy would walk the final half-mile to Witt Elementary School. Due to the fact that Sarah had worked the previous night, her top objective was to get some sleep as soon as her daughter had left the house. Due to the long hours that she had worked, she was worn out and in need of some well-deserved relaxation. And with everything out of the way, she went to bed just a little before nine in the morning and she fell asleep without incident. Awakening a little after four o'clock o'clock in the afternoon. When Sarah woke up, she found out some pretty alarming news. Toe began, there was no indication of Jessica anywhere in the home, which was still completely vacant. But it wasn't the end of their anxious thoughts. She looked down at her phone and saw that she had missed a number of calls in addition to receiving a voicemail. Jessica's school attempted to reach her in the morning while she was still asleep with a message inquiring about her whereabouts. However, she was still unconscious. Because she was never seen at school, Jeremy was completely clueless about the whereabouts of his pal. She never made it to his house, despite the fact that Jessica had contacted her earlier that morning to confirm her attendance there. He went to school by himself on foot. As a direct consequence of this, there was no trace of Jessica to be found anywhere, and as a direct result of this, Sarah immediately phoned the police. Where exactly are you experiencing this emergency? 
This is located at 10,786 Moore Street. It's at 10,786 Moore Street. Okay. What exactly is going on over there? My daughter has not been located. I guess. This morning, she did not accompany any of us to school. What age is your daughter, exactly? Her age is 10. Okay. What is the name of your little girl? That would be Jessica Bridgeway. And what did you do the previous year? Today, when she departed at 8.30 in the morning, did she walk? I went and checked her friend's house where she had walked, and no one was there to open the door when I went there. You mentioned that the school phoned to make sure that you wouldn't be here tonight, but we were asleep when they called, so we missed their call. Okay, Sarah. I'm sorry to hear that. We have sent many cops in your direction so that they can assist you in this matter. Okay, the authorities were quickly successful in making contact with Jeremy's father, who in turn was able to affirm that he and Jeremy had not seen Jessica that morning. This indicates that anything out of the ordinary took place between their house and Chelsea Park, which is located just adjacent to Jeremy's house. Sarah has verified that her daughter left the house wearing a black jacket, black boots, blue trousers, and a black and pink backpack. At the time, Sarah's daughter did not have a cell phone in her possession. It would be another five arduous hours before all of the requirements for an Ember Alert could be satisfied. And with this request ultimately being satisfied at almost nine o'clock at night, already, Darkness had spread throughout the state of Colorado. Even though the fresh night may be both dark and long, Jessica's family, friends, and the community in general have already begun their inquiry. This is in spite of the fact that the fresh night may be both dark and lengthy. It was at this point that the search for Jessica Ridgeway was initiated. We begin with the most recent breaking news. Take a peek. This girl, who is 10 years old, has been gone for more than a day at this point. At this very moment in Westminster, there is a significant search operation taking place. An Ember Alert has been issued by the police in conjunction with the CBI. The length of time that has elapsed since she was last seen is the primary factor in this decision, since it explains why this is the case. Even if her father resides outside of the state, there is no evidence to support the hypothesis that she was taken by a neighbor, a friend, or a family at this stage. At least as of right now, the cops have no concerns about the situation. They also do not believe that she fled the scene of the crime. They report that she maintains a steady emotional equilibrium. They claim she is a wonderful kid. And the fact that this contributes to the fear is still another thing about this situation. We are making use of every resource at our disposal. We are making an effort to employ aircraft or helicopters that are equipped with technology that enables them to search in the dark. We are unable to utilize that tool, unfortunately, since the weather has caused it to get grounded. We have brought in members of our fire department who are equipped with thermal imaging technology, 
which allows them to see in the dark. Therefore, they are going about their hunt with that. The search for the missing girl was well underway by the time Dawn arrived, and it was being conducted by both law enforcement and community volunteers. Extensiveness was exhibited in both the equipment and the procedures that were employed. There were also dogs, thermal imaging cameras, and aircraft used in the search. Nevertheless, in spite of all of this effort, there was no trace of Jessica to be found. The following day would provide no relief from the misery that they were experiencing due to their mounting expectations. Jessica had been missing for the last 48 hours, and there was still no sign of her anywhere. There was, however, a sliver of optimism in the distance. A neighboring homeowner discovered a bag around six and a half miles away from Jessica's house and in the opposite direction of where she should have been going to school. Officers arrived on the site and immediately determined that the item in question did, in fact, belonged to Jessica Ridgeway. In addition to the item, they also discovered Jessica's water bottle nearby. They were able to narrow down the time window in which they suspected the bag would have been discarded by conducting many interviews with local people, indicating a time between 7 and 10 o'clock in the evening as the most likely time frame. On the 6th of October, which was approximately 34 hours after Jessica had been reported missing. Jessica's shoes and prescription glasses were also located inside this bag, which means that she no longer had the shoes to protect her feet or the spectacles to properly view the area around her. This is an additional piece of information that adds to the growing list of worrying facts. After the backpack belonging to Jessica was found, as well as the fact that the amount of time since she was last seen increased from hours to days, the hypothesis that Jessica had been kidnapped gained more support. It is safe to assume that nearly no one believed that she had forgotten her shoes and fled the scene. Home video also provides us with a fresh view of Jessica Ridgeway, this time showing her cuddling with either an adult dog or a young puppy. Take a second look at the woman. The police are requesting that you give careful consideration to the content of this film. It has been a whole week since the fifth grade student from Westminster, who was last seen on her way to school on a Friday morning, vanished without a trace. Here is just another of the brand new photographs that we have obtained, only a few of which were published this morning. You may see her out with a dog. There is a space visible between her two front teeth. Now they are aiming to finish finding and expanding the open space area today in Superior, close to the Rock Creek community. On Sunday, the bag was discovered in that general area. They had another goal of completing the race somewhere close to Jessica's own neighborhood, which was around 6.5 miles south of Rock Creek. During the time when this investigation was focused on the disappearance of the victim, there were a few terrible side stories. First and foremost, both of Jessica's parents were considered possible suspects in the case. This, of course, is something that should be kept in mind in some capacity. However, because Jeremiah and Sarah had recently divorced, 
rumors and wild conjecture began to spread about the family. The two were eliminated from the running for the position in a very short amount of time. But this was likely to add extra stress to a situation that was already highly stressful. As the days as time passed, Jessica's family became more distressed, more desperate, and more optimistic that they would receive some positive news. According to the statistics, almost 80% of children who go missing are located within the first 24 hours. The passage of time makes it increasingly unlikely that they will be found alive anywhere in the world. Therefore, it is easy to see why the Ridgeway family was growing more and more agitated. And a terrifying find was made on the 10th of October in 2012, which was five days after Jessica had been reported missing. An open region known as Pat Ridge Park can be found seven miles to the west of Jessica's house and is situated in close proximity to a number of defunct mines. Unfortunately, a tiny corpse, or at least a portion of it, was discovered here among the thick grass. This was a terrible discovery. The torso of a young girl had been located, but the rest of her body, including her limbs, legs, and head, as well as the majority of her internal organs, had not been discovered. The fact that the torso consists of cavities for the most part now. In addition to this, it seemed as though the body had been cleaned several times. Officers would need nearly two days to identify the corpse through DNA analysis due to the state it was in. Unfortunately, when utilizing Jessica's DNA that was located within her house, they were able to confirm that it was her. The explanation for her absence was one of the most dreadful outcomes that could have been imagined. Jessica was nowhere to be discovered, dead or alive, and there was no indication that this was an accident. The town of Colorado was now dealing with the aftermath of a killing that was extraordinarily horrible. And to make matters even worse, her killer has not been identified. The finding of Jessica's body brought about a significant shift in the dynamics of the neighborhood. Her passing served as a timely warning about the need to keep youngsters safe. Parents increased their level of vigilance, but there was no way to know for sure if Jessica's murderer would ever carry out another attack as long as he was still on the loose in Colorado. The search for Jessica's kidnapper was a massive operation. In addition to searching more than 500 houses and more than 1,000 cars, FBI agents were following up on more than 1,000 leads that had been generated from more than 2,000 tips. The general population was exhorted to maintain vigilance and pay attention to people in their immediate environment by keeping an eye out for unusual deviations in routines, schedules, and absences. Residents were strongly encouraged to contact law enforcement in the event that any of these names rang a bell with them. The fact that this was not the only thing going on in the immediate aftermath of Jessica's finding is evidenced by the fact that the FBI was working extremely hard. It has come to light that law enforcement officials were in fact able to unearth a second set of DNA from within Jessica's backpack. Following the analysis of this DNA, 
it was entered into the combined DNA index system, which is sometimes referred to as codes. CODIS is a system that compares a person's DNA to that of possible suspects or to the DNA found at other crime sites when a suspect has not yet been identified. And the things that they discovered were quite interesting. It was discovered that the DNA that was taken from Jessica's backpack also matched the DNA that was taken from another event that occurred only five months earlier. On the afternoon of May 28, 2012, a male jogger attacked a female jogger who was 22 years old. The attacker's identity is unknown. She had been grotesquely beaten before being dragged to the neighboring underbrush after being seized from behind. Thankfully, she was able to scare this person away and then dial 911 to report the incident. However, she was unable to recognize him, and happily, there had been no more developments in the investigation. It seems as though this attacker had a high level of intelligence. He had evaded not just one, but two different events, the second of which was far more severe than the first. He had done this successfully, and this caused the law enforcement officials a great deal of frustration. The amount of effort that they put in at this location was impressive. I'm talking about several hundred DNA tests, thousands of man-hours, and a number of different organizations all working together toward the same objective. And despite everything that had happened, they were none the wiser for it. Colorado's eagerness to learn the identity of Jessica's unidentified murderer grew steadily over the course of the hours, days, and weeks that passed. And had it not been for a single phone call, they might not have succeeded at all. Bye. I'd like you to meet Molly Westminster. Please. Can I assist you? Hello there. I'd like for you to come to my place right now. My son has expressed interest in turning himself in for the murder of Jessica Ridgeway. So, what exactly is the address? 10,622 West 102nd Avenue is the address in question. And what really is taking place over there? Ma'am, can you hear me? He had just admitted to having killed her. I know. Please explain everything that's going on to me. Could you just repeat what he said to me in its entirety? However, he confirmed to me that it was completed successfully. In addition, her ashes can be found here. Have you seen them already? No. Is he currently with you? Yes. Is he willing to work with us? Yes. What age is your son, sir? 17. Who is your son, and what is his name? Austin C. Okay. Do you believe that he will cooperate with the cops that they have brought in? Absolutely. Okay. Do you believe that Austin would be willing to communicate with me? Will you speak to yes? Just a moment, please. Okay. Hello. Are we in Austin now? That's correct. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on right now? How you're feeling, or how this came about? I'd really appreciate that. To be honest, I'm not really sure why you're asking all of these questions. 
I was the one who killed Jessica Richway. Okay, there is evidence that I am responsible for it. There is not another inquiry that can be made. You only need to bring a squad vehicle or something else down here, and I will respond to any and all questions that you have for me, as well as any questions that anyone else has for me. As soon as possible, you are required to come down here. Could you please inform me which room in the home has her cremated remains? Below the home and all the way across this. Okay. Have you known Jessica prior to this happening? No, I did not. Do you have a history of any kind of criminal behavior? The event at Kettner Lake, in which the woman was assaulted, is the only other thing I've ever been involved in prior to this one. That was also the case with me. Who exactly is this Austin Sig? Would it have been possible for him to kill Jessica? And was he the masked criminal who was responsible for these two heinous acts? Born on the 17th of January, 1995. When Jessica passed away, he had only turned 17 years old. Unfortunately, the 17 years leading up to this event were a period of unhappiness. Being a resident of Westminster has many perks. Mindy, his mother, was always by his side as he developed. His parents eventually divorced. In a few moments, we'll discuss the logic behind our decision. To tell you the truth, Austin was a very peculiar youngster. There are many troubling aspects to his behavior, but in order to save time, I'm going to spotlight a few of them, which I think do a good job of summarizing Austin. Austin's mother discovered him looking at pornographic material that included people under the age of 18 while he was just 12 years old. He was referred to a Christian counselor, but this curiosity would quietly linger in the background throughout his treatment. He was passionate about his music and games, and he frequently used the online handle means monster. In addition to that, he had a collection of knives and samurai swords. Austin, who was bullied throughout his high school career, finally dropped out of school. Since he did not have a parent to appropriately guide him back into schooling, he saw a decline in his academic performance. After making this statement, he would subsequently go on to get a diploma that was comparable to it. Death and the study of the hereafter were special interests for Austin. Because of this, he would eventually enroll at Arapahoe Community College, where, as was to be expected, he would study mortuary science. This curiosity drove him to excel in his respective sector, and not long after that, he started winning honors in student contests for crime scene investigation. Despite the fact that Austin was well knowledgeable of the crime scene, it appeared that his father, Robert, had a long history of committing crimes. He was suspected of committing bank fraud, abuse, and domestic violence, and had been detained many times. And despite the fact that she played a supporting role in Austin's childhood, his mother was not without flaws of her own. In fact, Mindy was not going to be a contender for Mother of the Year for a very long time. 
She frequently gave the impression that she was laughing off her son's increasingly worrying behavior. She would make jokes with her friends about his obsession with the decay of the human body. In addition to this, she disclosed that she and her kid would practice zip-tying together, which, if you ask me, is simply absolutely bonkers to say the least. After receiving his phone call on the morning of October 26, the police surrounded the SIG house and ultimately captured Austin there. This occurred after his phone call. As it turns out, Austin had gotten exceedingly apprehensive in the days immediately leading up to his confession, when local media claimed that police had connected the two incidents together. This was the catalyst for Austin's confession. He experienced a severe stomach ache and an unsteady feeling, both of which are symptoms of anxiety. Before admitting it to his mother and the police the next morning, he slept in his mother's bed the exact same night, which, if you ask me, is sort of unusual. However, he did it. Austin then took the cops to a crawl space that was situated in his bedroom after he had been arrested. Over the course of the previous month and a half, he had been storing part of Jessica's remains in this location. A number of broken black zip ties would also be discovered by the police in his Jeep. Additionally, there were bleach and garbage bags to be found on his doorstep. The precise make and model of the container in which Jessica's skeletal bones were located. The basement, which was where Austin had spent the majority of his childhood, was a complete and utter disaster. Cups, plates, and various types of packing were strewn around the space, and there were also articles of clothing and miscellaneous pieces of furniture all around. Above his head was a display of two samurai swords in their sheets. After Jessica was taken hostage in a jeep, the vehicle was subsequently carted away by law enforcement in advance of a comprehensive investigation. As for Austin's questioning, this is how it went down. If you are wondering, I used zip ties to zip tie. Her hands and legs together. In total, I was likely driving for a total of 10 hours and 20 minutes. I was curious and asked her whether she owned a mobile phone. I would intentionally deceive her. I would reassure her that everything would turn out all right in the end. And sat in that place. And I just kept staring at her. And all I can recall is a complete and utter absence of thinking and consciousness in my mind at that time. I guess. It seems to me that the concept of being a forensic scientist, along with all of that other stuff, necessarily comes with the territory of being morbid. And they were unable to present me with anything macabre that they could demonstrate to me. What did you have planned for that day specifically? I was under an obligation to make advances on every attractive woman who happened to pass by where I was. You were, for lack of a better phrase, hunting, I take it. I guess it's the only term that comes to mind at the moment. And are you familiar with Jessica? No. Have you ever seen her before? Absolutely not. It was the wrong moment and the wrong place for her. It was completely arbitrary. 
You didn't stop the neighborhood or go over to that neighborhood and were searching for whenever I would even see someone walking when I was out in one of those modes. My heart would just instantly start racing extremely fast and I wouldn't be able to think clearly. You didn't stop in the neighborhood or go over to that area. Was there an element of excitement about it? That is something that I have been puzzling over for some time now. The situation would be explained in full by Austin. It has come to light that Jessica was not one of the individuals deliberately targeted. Simply put, he was looking for a weak person with the hopes of kidnapping them, torturing them, and ultimately killing them. He told the detectives that he saw her heading to school, hid in the back seat of his Jeep, and when she walked by his car, he leaped out and abducted her, much like the practice he had with his mother. He also said that he hid in the back seat of his Jeep until she walked past it. After that, he restrained Jessica's limbs with zip ties and drove her to his house, still bound. After that, they sat down in front of the television for a while. After reading the public police report, I simply do not have the stomach to go into the specifics of what happened. I apologize. But to give the most condensed version possible. After that, Austin sexually raped Jessica, then strangled her, which ultimately led to her passing, and then chopped her limbs off as she was submerged in the bathtub with a Stanley knife. After that, some of her organs were placed in jars and labeled, while others were disposed of in the toilet. After that, he waited a couple of days before throwing her backpack in the direction that was opposite to the one that led to his house. In addition, after learning that the authorities were employing cadaver dogs and thermal imaging equipment, he made the decision to remove her torso from his property which once again diverted the attention of the authorities away from him. During the course of the interviews, the friends of Austin Sig revealed that they were taken aback by the news. Because he, like, is a lovely man, and, like, I could have seen why Jessica put her confidence in him, like getting in the vehicle with him or whatever when she took him, because he, like, is trustworthy. She certainly would have put her faith in him. What kind of things did he have an interest in, exactly? Video game. He enjoyed getting together with his family, his fiancée, and all of the other stuff. Is he the type of person who may be responsible for the death of a young girl? It came as a complete surprise to us. He was the type of student that would wander about the school, and unlike the other students who would go down the corridor by themselves, he would walk with you. He was the type of person who always made conversation with others, always said hello to everyone, and was familiar with everyone. He was such a kind person. Most of us have known him since childhood. Together, we visited the wise man. We came all the way here to get Carl, and now that we're here, we see all of this going on. We don't know where to begin to make sense of this situation. Austin admitted that the whole thing about Jessica's death was a twisted fantasy, and that not only was the random assault on the female jogger his, but he also intended to do the exact same thing to her. 
He confessed all of this to the police once they arrested him for the attack. During an interview with the police, he stated that he did not have the same level of pleasure from killing Jessica Ridgeway as he had anticipated he would. Austin was too old to be eligible for the death penalty. Yet, the prosecution would still seek to have him given a life sentence for his crime. He confessed to 15 separate offenses, including his assaults on Jessica Ridgeway and the other woman who was jogging. These included murder in the first degree, sexual exploitation of a minor, and the robbery of Jessica Ridgeway. Additionally, an effort was made to kidnap the jogger, which further outraged the country. Austin first entered a plea of not guilty to the charges against him, but in 2013, he changed his plea to one of guilt. During the course of his trial, Austin was seen as a cruel necrophilt act who possessed certain psychopathic tendencies, but was not definitely psychotic. Austin's existence as a free man came to an end at the age of 17 as a consequence of this case, which resulted in his being found guilty and receiving a sentence of 86 years in prison in addition to a life sentence. In all likelihood, he will pass away while incarcerated. In the year 2014, he was sent to an undisclosed location outside of the state, mostly for the purpose of protection in light of the heinous atrocities that this bag of shite had perpetrated. On the other hand, enough with Austin. When the situation is as bad as this one, it might be difficult to look. Look behind the evil that was done to the victim and remember that she was only a little girl starting off her life when she was 10 years old. Jessica had little chance of defending herself once Austin laid eyes on her since he was already biased against her. She was young, sweet, and naive, and she had to travel only one block to meet her body before school. Both of her parents referred to her as their rock, their foundation, and their universe while talking about her. She had a good time riding her scooter through the neighborhood park with her dog and her friends. The park, which has now been renamed in her honor, was one of her favorite places. Jessica Ridgeway Memorial Park is located just down the road from the house that she had resided in, and it now bears her name and is adorned in purple in commemoration of the fact that purple was her favorite color. A common piece of advice given to children, Jessica Ridgeway was cautioned to exercise caution around unfamiliar people. She had been instructed to scream in the event that someone attempted to seize her. And, as a cruel twist of fate would have it, those admonitions were actually written down in her school notebook. She advised readers to avoid going to the park alone and to be wary of approaching strangers. Put out a distress call. She did, but unfortunately, no one was there to hear her since no one was there to hear her. The question now is, what can we learn from all of this? To tell you the truth, it is really challenging to arrive at one in a manner that everyone would consider acceptable. Jessica was only one block away from a family home while she was walking there. The likelihood of one getting abducted in this location is quite low. However, 
the repercussions in the event that this were to take place have the potential to be devastating. This is a judgment call between the possibility and the likelihood of something happening. Honestly, there is no universally accepted set of guidelines when it comes to cases like Jessica's. Nonetheless, I want to thank you for taking the time to consider this investigation today. If you found this case intriguing or discovered anything new, please don't forget to give a thumbs up and sign up for the channel. If you haven't already shared your thoughts on Jessica's case, I would appreciate it if you could express them in the comment box below. Do you think this walk was a good idea? Share your opinions. Once again, I want to express my gratitude to all of you, and I assure you that I will be back with another case soon. In the meantime, please remember the importance of looking out for one another. Goodbye.